Hi, I'm Linda Eads from Forward Asset Management, and I'm joined today by Fazana Bayat, who is one of our portfolio managers on our fixed income funds, and also contributes to macroeconomic research here at Ford. And we're going to be talking about a topic that has been very much uh, in the headlines over the last 18 months, and that's, of course, inflation. Now, Fazana, we've seen inflation. Let's look at the U.S. to start with, because, of course, the U.S. and U.S. interest rates set the course for the rest of the globe. If we look at headline inflation in the U.S., it peaked above 9% uh, last year, and it's come back down quite significantly, but it's still quite a bit above the 2% target that the Federal Reserve would like to see inflation come back down to. Are we likely to see it coming back down to that target level anytime soon? Thank you, Linda. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, inflation has come down quite significantly from 9% all the way down to the mid-3s. But we think that that next leg of where we are now till 2% is going to prove to be a little bit difficult. And, you know, some of the, you know, if you look at inflation in the U.S., what drove it initially? It was initially driven by goods inflation, and that was on the back of the large fiscal stimulus that you saw during the pandemic, coupled with the supply side constraints. Um, since those have eased, you're now actually seeing goods inflation drop all the way down to almost 0%, but services inflation has taken off. And higher services inflation basically means that inflation has become more entrenched and has filtered into your more sticky areas like wage. Uh, which then results in higher prices for the end consumer. So the problem with services inflation is that it tends to be quite sticky and quite difficult to bring down. And what also makes it sticky is that you've got a tight labor market in the U.S. So in the U.S. at the moment, there's about one and a half jobs for every worker. So that means that um, there's a very high demand for, for, for labor at the moment in the U.S. And it also means that they have more bargaining power. And you can see that, you know, with the strikes and stuff that's happening in the U.S. Uh, another big component component of services inflation is housing. Now, housing makes up a third of inflation in the US, and it's also a lagged indicator. So we've all been waiting for housing to topple down, but that hasn't been the case. And you know, you would think that in a rising interest rate environment, your house prices would fall, which is what normally happens. Uh, but that hasn't been the case in the US. And what's happened there is their housing market's actually frozen at the moment. Uh, most people fixed their mortgages when interest rates were very low and um, they're reluctant to sell because if they had to sell, they would lock into a higher mortgage rate. So by not selling, that means that the supply of housing is, is, const is constrained at the moment, and that's keeping house prices elevated. So unless people actually start losing their jobs and are being forced sellers, we're likely to see housing remain elevated. Um, and then we're seeing a similar thing on the rentals. So on rentals, you know, people because people can't afford mortgages at these rates, act there's actually a higher demand for rentals, but there's a limited supply there. So that's keeping rental prices elevated as well. Um, other areas where we think could add pressure to inflation is um, rising oil prices and second round effects of oil prices. That is also exacerbated by your geopolitical tensions you're seeing in the world. Um, then you've got weather effects uh, affecting food prices like your El Nino. Then on your in the medium to longer term, it's more your nearshoring, your deglobalization will add pressure to inflation. And then lastly, the, uh, one of our biggest concerns is the massive fiscal deficit that the U.S. is running at a time of full employment. So, you know, if you want inflation to come down to 2%, 
you actually need to see a slowdown in the U.S. economy. You need to see a little bit of a recession. Uh, but, you know, seeing that they're going into an election next year, it's very hard to see them rain back on spending. So it's very likely we're going to see some pressure coming from the, from, from the fiscal side as well. So Fazana, you mentioned fiscal deficits, and of course we have a similar problem here in South Africa. Uh, fiscal spending has been a little bit out of control, and that's also unlikely to change ahead of elections. You know, there was a period of time where inflation was actually higher in the US, Europe, and the UK than it was locally. And that's quite an unusual situation. Why was that the case? Yeah, so you know, Linda, in 2022 we had this massive uptick inflation on the on the back of both demand and supply imbalances. But like you say, what was interesting was your developed market inflation rose a lot higher than your emerging markets, um, and there were two reasons for this. So you know, your emerging markets, like including South Africa, we didn't stimulate as much as your developed economies, so we didn't have that massive demand pull inflation that you saw in those countries that pushed prices to very high levels. Um, and then secondly. Um, you know, your developed markets were of the view that inflation was transitory. So they took a long time to actually start hiking interest rates. And by the time they had started, inflation had already filtered into your stickier areas like wages. Uh, whereas your emerging markets, on the other hand, they're very used to dealing with inflation. It's something that they deal with all the time. So they reacted a lot faster. They started hiking rates quickly and they were able to tame inflation fairly well. And in fact, um, Countries like Brazil and Chile, who started hiking quite early on, they're actually starting to cut rates now. Um, but your developed market economies, they're actually sitting with, even though they've managed to bring inflation down quite a bit, they're still sitting above their 2% target levels. So they haven't won the inflation battle yet. And, you know, it's very interesting because all the talk now is about bringing inflation down. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago that the Fed was actually quite concerned post the financial crisis that there wasn't enough inflation in the U.S. economy. It was actually below the 2% target. Can you talk a little bit about why economies need a little bit of inflation uh, and why they were concerned about actually causing inflation to be a little bit higher than where it was? You know, when prices fall, then what happens is that people would uh, would stop buying things today, thinking they could get it for cheaper in the future. Once people stop buying things, it means that demands fall, demand falls. Um, this then means that your your businesses suffer. This then means that you have job losses. When you have when your unemployment goes up, you have your wages falling. Then you have a knock-on effect on prices again, and you end up in this vicious cycle, which basically kills your economy. So we need a little bit of inflation just to keep the economy going and just to keep the economy alive. Um, then secondly, um, inflation is also good for borrowers because what you owe in the future is worth less than what you owe now, and coupled with that. That your earnings also go up with inflation. So it makes, you know, the combination of that makes it easier for you to pay off your debt. Inflation is definitely better for borrowers than for lenders. Um, and then lastly, inflation also gives the Fed some room to stimulate the economy if they're faced with a slowdown. So, you know, if the Fed is facing a bit of a recession, um, they would actually cut rates to bring down the borrowing costs to stimulate, uh, to encourage your, um, your consumers and your businesses to actually invest and spend. Um, and you know that interest rates are linked to inflation. So if inflation is sitting close to zero, it basically means the Fed wouldn't have much room to cut to actually stimulate the economy. So, you know, all in all, 
um, you might never get that ideal level of inflation that you want, uh, but you definitely want to have some inflation rather than deflation because that's the lesser of the two evils for price stability. Now, Fazana, you mentioned a few upside risks to inflation, some of the things that we're watching, uh, which may actually cause inflation to be higher uh, in the future um, on a structural basis, if you like. How are we actually uh, investing within our portfolios to protect against that risk? Yeah, so, you know, in South Africa, inflation's come in. It's with, it's comfortably within our target band at the moment, uh, but there are still some upside risks. And the upside risk could come from anything from electricity prices to oil prices, food prices, the currency, fiscal risks, etc. So one's always got to try and have some inflation protection in the portfolios. Um, and assets that can give you inflation protection are things like equities, uh, property, commodities such as gold, um, and inflation-linked bonds. Now, as you would know, um, in a fixed income portfolio, your universe is quite limited. So in our flexible income fund, we do have a little bit of exposure to equities via convertible bonds, a very small allocation to property, but the bulk of our inflation protection is coming from inflation-linked bonds. Uh, we like this asset class, particularly at this point in the cycle. We are, it's offering you a real yield of 5%. Um, it's a real yield we've not seen for many years. Um, and, you know, we think that, you know, if inflation prints at, say, the lower end of 5%, you'll end up with 10%, which is a decent return. It beats cash. But if inflation prints on the upper end, you know, due to these upside pressures that we see, then you'll have the full, ups, the full upside um, potential in this asset. We all know South Africa has a debt problem. Um, and, you know, if this debt balloons and becomes unsustainable, our options to get out of debt is to either have some growth or to have some inflation. And if you look at other countries, it seems like the path of least resistance is to run with a higher level of inflation to bring your, so, uh, to bring your debt to GDP levels lower. So when you've got inflation, your GDP goes up, so your denominator goes up in your debt to GDP, which brings your debt levels down. So, you know, it's not unlikely that in the, in the future, South Africa could run with a higher level of inflation to uh, inflate away our debt. And in that scenario, these assets will, 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 will perform very well. Thank you very much, uh, Fazana, for your contribution. And thank you for everyone who's joined us today. If you have any comments, please leave them. And thanks again for your time. Take care. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. The economic views presented are drawn from facts current on the date of publication. This podcast has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority, including the Monetary Authority of Singapore or the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. Ford Asset Management Companies are a licensed FSP in South Africa and a licensed fund management company in Singapore. For more information, visit Ford.com.